0: Morning. Thank you, Johnny, for reading those scriptures. Morning, John. It's nice to see you in the front row. I had a, a really wonderful time last uh, Sunday, um, worshiping with uh, with the saints in, in a small little church. I think I sent you guys some pictures. Uh, worshiping with the saints and the cows, and uh, uh, you know, uh, in in rural part of Karnataka. So. So on my way back, I was uh, John Verghese, Brother John Verghese messaged me. Do I have permission to use this? Anyway, it's too late now. Uh, so he said, uh, he said, George, next time you go to some rural assemblies, please let me know. And if it's okay with you, I would, I would like to join you. So I said, absolutely, brother, please, I'll let you know and you please join me and you can speak as well. And he says, I will surely speak with you on the journey. <laughs> <laughs> so that's brother John. But it's good to see you here. It's a real encouraging. John is a real encouraging, brother. He he prays for all of us and and uh, and certainly we all enjoy his his ministry as well. Okay, so uh, um you know this morning I want to talk about something that uh, that I think is 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 really very 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 important for any church or any assembly to experience growth. Uh, and, uh, and we'll get to that. But maybe to start off with, I want to ask you a question, uh, which is that how do you measure the quality of the spiritual life of a church? How do you measure the quality of the spiritual life of a church? So maybe, you know, we being human beings, we like numbers, so maybe you measure it by numbers you know, by how many people there are. Uh, I know this is quite common when you talk to somebody about a church, the first thing you ask them is, well, how many people do you have? And if you say, you know, 100 or 200, we'll say, wow, that's a lot of people, right? Or is it by the uh, quality of the preaching, you know, by, uh, by the preaching that you hear every Sunday? Or maybe sometimes we measure it by the quality of the singing, uh, or uh, maybe, uh, you know, by the size of the... The facilities and the buildings, you know, and the, uh, you know, the, the, the physical infrastructure that the church or the assembly has. Or, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's by the number of programs, the Sunday school and the, the cell groups and, and all of these kind of things, the activities that are going on uh, in the week. You know, how many slides do you have? How many slides do we have, Abhijit, uh, of activities? Three or something, Right you know the more slides the better right uh, the more more meetings the more cell groups the better but you know in reality none of these things are really a true measure for uh, for the spiritual um, you know spiritual uh, life of the church the the quality of the spiritual life uh, of a church and uh, you know i just want to look this morning at at what is it that how do we really look at the spiritual life of the church how should we Measure it, and I request all of you to to uh, to give me your attention for the next 35-40 uh, minutes. Uh, but before that, you know, what are these true measures? You know, and uh, you know, I just put down a few measures uh, just based on things that we see in Scripture and some of the the practices and the uh, you know the um, uh, the the various things that we see, and and I came up with sort of four things And I really want to focus on one of those which I think is is probably the most important, but perhaps one way in which which to measure the quality of the, of the spiritual life for church is by the the leadership of the church. you know do you have godly leadership in the church? do you have godly leaders uh, you know who who uh, who are caring for the flock, caring for the sheep, uh, who are nurturing the sheep who are uh, admonishing the sheep who are seeking the spiritual growth and providing the environment for spiritual growth, so perhaps that's one one aspect that you can look at uh, another aspect uh, you know is is it a church uh, or an assembly that's having an impact in the community around it that's penetrating the community in Acts chapter five and verse twenty eight uh, you know we see that the people who are persecuting the church these are the the, the jewish leaders of the uh, of the synagogue there you know they arrest the apostles and they say to them uh, you know you have filled jerusalem with your doctrine and we know that this was the, the church that was that had just the church had just been started this was shortly after the day of pentecost and uh, and the thing that the testimony they had at that point with the religious leaders is that you have filled jerusalem with your doctrine Okay, just a few weeks, few months, maybe after the uh, the, the foundation, the, the founding of the church there. So that's one way: is is the church having an impact? Is it penetrating the the community around it? Uh, perhaps another way that we ought to measure is, you know, are the saints doing the work of the ministry? Do we have active uh, believers in the church who are exercising their spiritual gifts? And that's one thing I really love. Uh, about about our meetings you know we we came together this this morning and and we had a wonderful time with so many uh, brothers standing up and 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 exercising their gift and 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 using the opportunity to praise the lord that's not an opportunity you get in in many churches where you know you just have a few people you know some ordained people some people in certain positions getting up and ministering and using their gifts and everybody else just comes and sits and listens but we have an opportunity here to for the saints to do the work of the ministry, and not just what you see publicly, but even behind the scenes. But the fourth thing, that I think, is the one that I want to, uh, that is important and the one that I want to dwell on this morning, uh, the fourth measure of the quality of the spiritual life of a church is that the believers are growing in their faith and in their walk with the Lord, and they are achieving maturity. So Ephesians 1, 16 to 19, we see, I'm not going to turn there, but Paul prays that the Ephesian believers, for the Ephesian believers, that their understanding would be enlightened. Their understanding would be enlightened and they would more fully know and understand God and his power. In Philippians 1, 4 to 6 and verse 9 and 11, 9 to 11, Paul prays that the believers in Philippi would continue to be sanctified. That is, they would grow spiritually. They would become more and more set apart and be filled with the fruits of righteousness, that their lives would be fruitful, that as they mature, they would produce the fruits of righteousness in their life. Again in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, Paul prays that the the believers in Colossae would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, and that they would walk worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him, and again being fruitful in good works. My question to you this morning as you uh, listen to this message is this. It's a very personal question that I want each of you to ask yourself. How, How much have you grown in the last 12 months? How much have you grown in the last year or maybe the last few years? How much have you grown spiritually? How much have you matured? Where are you in your walk with the Lord today compared to where you were a few months ago? Have you made progress? Have you moved back perhaps? Or are you just stagnant, just sitting in the same place? How much have you grown in the last year or in the last few years in your spiritual walk with the Lord? And what I want to talk about this morning is is the subject of discipleship, the process of discipleship, because this is the God-ordained way to achieve spiritual growth in the lives of believers. It is, if you look in scripture, you find that this is what what God, we'll look at that in a minute here, but this is what God uh, designed as the way by which we as believers should grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should grow in our knowledge of the scriptures. We should grow in terms of uh, how we we walk uh, with him, how we live our lives. Individual believers teaching people the word of God and bringing them to maturity you know it's not just about the people who are up here every Sunday speaking to you or leading your cell groups but it is about individual believers teaching people the word of God and bringing them to maturity we see the example that the apostle Paul gives us in his relationship with young Timothy he tells Timothy in uh, 2nd Timothy 2 and 2 that what I have taught you you teach to faithful men right? Who will then teach it to others? Uh, we see in Titus chapter 2 that older women, the more mature women are instructed to teach the younger women and it tells them all the things that they are to be taught. Uh, this is the way, uh, you know, that the church is supposed to grow spiritually by Christians discipling other Christians, believers discipling other believers. Every Christian ought to be growing as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and then we need to reproduce that life in the lives of others. This is the biblical model for spiritual growth. You know, and every one of us needs to have that that relationship with somebody in the church where we are both discipling somebody while at the same time we are being discipled. Because we all have much to learn and we have things that we can teach others who may not be as mature, as further along in their walk as, as we might be. And I want us to just... Um, Think about this and as we go through this, ask ourselves these two things. One is, how much have I grown? But secondly, how much am I investing or have I invested in the life of my fellow believers? You know, am I just somebody that shows up here week after week, that sits in, the, uh, you know, in my same seat every week and goes home you know, and, and have no interest in investing in the lives of others? Or am I somebody who genuinely cares for the spiritual well-being of my fellow believers? And am I investing in their lives to, to to help them to grow spiritually? Or am I ensuring that someone else is investing in my life uh, so that I might grow spiritually? Now the basis for discipling, as I said, this is the, the God-ordained way. This is the scriptural way by which this is to happen. And you know, when, uh, when Jobin was uh, speaking a few weeks ago, he sort of laid out uh three uh, three things that we look for uh you know in terms of doctrine and practices uh as to as to whether it's really biblical or not and one of them was that you know did did the lord jesus talk about it or did christ give an instruction about it and the second thing was um, you know is it taught in the epistles okay is it taught in the in the epistles is it explained in the epistles and the third is, is was it the example that was followed in the early church and if you look at this matter of discipling you find that all three of these things are true okay let's just look quickly uh this is just for so that we understand the basis for this ministry of discipling or this uh, process of discipling as a way for the church to grow and uh, johnny read this in matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 uh, you know we read here the the so-called Great Commission, as it's uh, popularly known as, that Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, verse 19 of Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, very often we think that the Great Commission is about the you know uh, about evangelism okay it's about uh, spreading the gospel it certainly is about that but that's not really what jesus said is it did he say go and preach the gospel no that's not quite what he said what did he say go into all the world and make disciples go into all the world and make disciples and how do you make disciples he even tells us here he says this is my definition of what a disciple is or, or how you make a disciple he says, first of all, you know, you baptize them and bapti- baptism there is, is indicative of their salvation. So obviously you preach the gospel, right? They become saved. You baptize them uh, as a confession of their salvation. And then what do you do? You teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Okay, so that is base- basically at the very crux what discipleship is, is to teach them, teach those who are believers in Christ Right, those who have been born again and those who have been baptized to teach them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And teaching here goes beyond merely just um, communicating the truth, but it involves, uh, you know, observing, it involves validating the progress, it involves finding shortcomings and addressing them, it involves making sure that your disciples or your students uh, understand the scriptures and that they are applying the scriptures it it involves holding them accountable this is all part of this process of discipling so jesus himself clearly gave us this instruction this principle he said this is what i want you to do okay i want each of you he tells that to his apostles and obviously by extension it's from the apostles they are to go and make disciples and obviously once you become a disciple you continue to make more disciples and you continue to grow the church and then secondly it's also taught in the in the epistles and we read that portion as well in uh, in uh, the book of ephesians uh, ephesians chapter 4 and here it explains it very very clearly and i'm not going to read the whole thing but but it says in verse uh, 12 that uh, that the lord uh, that god has equipped some for the ministry and he talks about all the the gifts you know for the edifying of the body and all of those kind of things so So it it speaks of how the church is to be equipped for the work of the ministry. It speaks to how the church is to be edified in verse 12. It speaks to how the church is to come to the unity of the faith and it speaks to how the church is to progress towards perfection and the fullness of Christ, how the church is to progress towards spiritual maturity. And then also in verse 14, how the church is to be protected from false doctrines that are likely to creep into the church and how is that the, the growth of the body it says happens in two ways so we find that in verse uh, 16 it says uh, uh, you know so verse 15 let's start at verse 15 speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is Jesus who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together ok so first of all uh, how, do, how does the body grow by being joined and knit to Christ who is the head Okay, so having that connection to the Lord Jesus Christ, but secondly, uh, we go on in that verse, it says, By which every joint supplies according to the effective working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying uh, of itself in love. So he's comparing the church here to uh, a physical human body, and he's saying, We're all parts of the body, effectively, you know, just as the body has many parts the church has many members just as the different parts of the body have different functions the uh the the members in the church have different functions you know some are teachers some are uh pastors some are evangelists and so on and so forth uh and and each one of these parts of the body it says here that every part has to do its share okay every part has to do its share Those who have the gift of leadership are to lead. Those who have the gift of teaching are to teach. Those who have the gift of encouragement are to encourage. Those who have the gift of mercy have to show mercy to others. Okay, And as you do this, it says, by which every part and by what every joint supplies and every part does its share, what happens? The outcome is that it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So this is the principle that we find here. The Lord Jesus Christ talked about discipleship, the Apostle Paul in the epistles, he flushes it out and says, very clearly he teaches a doctrine here, that, that, that this matter of everybody exercising their spiritual gifts for the mutual edification of the church, the members of the church and the growth of the church as a whole, is how the church is supposed to function. And thirdly we see that, the example of the early church, that the believers were uh, disciples. So in Acts 14, um, you know, it says, uh, I'm not going to turn there, but Acts 14, 21 and 22, it says that Paul preached the gospel and made many disciples. And he strengthened the souls of the disciples by exhorting them to continue in the faith. And if you study the, work, the book of Acts, throughout the, uh, the book of Acts, wherever we find the believers mentioned, they're always called uh, disciples. Right. And and the word disciple again is not just somebody who's saved, but somebody who's actually living the life. Right. And 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 this matter of making disciples, the church, members of the church, the disciples making disciples is something that's clearly taught in scripture. And it's something that we need to really be an active part of our church. You know, I would I would go so far as to say that everybody here needs to be a disciple. Everybody here needs to be a disciple, someone who is learning, someone who is growing, and everyone needs to be a discipler. Okay, Whether you are a man, a woman, you need to be discipling uh, others in the church. And if you are not doing that, then you are not fulfilling one of the duties that you have as a believer that we find given to us here in Ephesians 4. You need to understand what your gift is, what are the, the, the things that God has blessed you with, and you need to find ways to exercise that in the discipling of other believers so i want to i want to just cover for us this morning uh, five uh you know five um, uh things that are involved in discipling uh, what what does discipling really mean what does it look like let's sort of paint a picture of that 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 is somewhat very practical so the first point is this that discipling what is what is involved in discipling is it involves spending time with someone It involves spending time with someone. We're going to go to different scriptures here. This is not an exposition of one passage, but it's a topical study. So let's go to Acts chapter 14. You You can't disciple somebody if you don't spend time with them. You cannot disciple somebody if all you do is see them once a week on a Sunday morning and you say, hello, how are you? How's the job? And then you don't see them again till next Sunday morning when you ask them again, hello, how are you? How's the job? okay Uh, you need to spend time with them acts 14 and verse 28 what do we see here Uh, it says here that they stayed there a long time with the disciples okay so let's read to verse 27 just to get a little context when they had come and gathered the church together they reported all that god had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the gentiles so they stayed there a long time with the disciples so Paul stayed there a long time. He didn't just come and give a report and leave. He stayed there a long time. You go to Acts chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 3. Acts 16, verse 1. He came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman, who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him, and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in the region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. So what do we see here? Paul, he found this young disciple, young young person, Timothy, a young believer uh, in the faith, and, and he realizes this, this, one, this man has got, this young man has got some potential, so I need to spend time with him. So he says, you come with me, and he takes him along on the journey. So only by spending time with a disciple will you be able to uh, see what his walk with the Lord is like. Only by spending time with other fellow believers will you know where they are in their walk and will you be able to help them to grow. Uh, And, you know, a big hindrance in this area is that our priorities are too crowded for us to take on the task of spending time. You know, and it's not just that you have to go and spend exclusive time with them. Sometimes it's getting them, you know, going with you. You know, like Brother John coming with me. Um, you know, or, or going with somebody else. You know, I saw yesterday. Uh, you know, Benji has gone to. Um, sorry, where did Benji go? Assam. Thank you. Benji has gone to Assam, and he's taken two brothers with him so that they can be discipled in the work. I don't. I'm not sure that he planned it that way, but that's what happens when you live together. You do things together. You know, he's doing what what he's supposed to do. That's that's his his calling, his work and he's taking people along and others are willing to go with him. You know, it's it's taking people along with you, making them a part of your life. You don't have to change what you're doing. You just have to allow other people into your life. You just have to allow other people to walk along with you. And this is where discipling happens is by observation, by by being together, by observing other brothers and and having them impact your life. So the first thing that is involved in disciples spending time with someone. Let me ask you this. How much time do you spend with your fellow believers? You know, whether it's in a cell group or whether it's uh, outside of a cell group or whether it's, you know, on a Sunday afternoon or whether it's going to their home and visiting with them, you know, observing them, uh, seeing their life, getting more, having that more intimate relationship with you. I I would encourage everyone here, young and old, to have that kind of a relationship with somebody and, and preferably more people in the church, we have to spend time with them. Okay, the second aspect that's involved in discipling is teaching. Okay, discipleship doesn't just happen, yes, it can happen by just being together, but you need to go beyond that, right? We need to actually get into teaching. Uh, Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, uh, we see here teaching going on among the disciples. Okay, Acts uh, 11 and verse 26. It says, uh, and when he had found him, uh, well, let's go back to 25. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year, again, here's the time. Okay, for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. So Barnabas here sees a need. He goes and finds a teacher, brings a teacher. The teacher spends a year uh, and and, uh, uh, teaches them from the word of God. Okay, Uh, Acts chapter... 18 and verse 11. Acts 18 and verse 11. And he continued there a year and six months. So 18 months. Uh, we find Paul here spending time in, uh, in this place uh, in Corinth. Uh, and um, uh, <coughs> he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So Paul spends 18 months, a year and a half, teaching the word of God to the Corinthians the, the believers in Corinth because that's what they needed. Acts 28 uh, and verse uh, 30. You see, Paul, he never stops teaching no matter what his circumstances are. So Acts 28, verse 30 and 31. Paul dwelt two whole years in his own uh, rented house. And this is when Paul was actually, he was imprisoned there in this house. He was under house arrest and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence no one forbidding him so we find here again paul is teaching even while he's in captivity okay this was a priority uh, of his life in titus 2 verse 3 to 5 we find that women are to teach other women so what is it that we are to teach we are to teach biblical truths teach the biblical truths on a personal level provide resources to them point them to things that you might be benefiting from maybe it's it's something online maybe it's a book maybe it's a series of messages uh, applying teach how to apply scripture in life, meaning uh, making the teachings practical. So, when uh, when people are going through circumstances in their life, you uh, uh, you help them to apply the scriptures to their life, giving them that biblical perspective, helping them to solve problems biblically. Now, all of these things are tied together. You know, if you're not spending time with somebody, then they're not going to uh, really feel comfortable with you to come to you when. Uh, when they're having these problems, when they're having these issues, when they're having these these concerns in their life, so that you can then teach them. So, looking at what you, from your own study of the word, which is why we all need to study the word, and your own application of the word in your own life and your own life experiences, you apply that in teaching others. So that's the second thing. The third aspect of uh, uh, of what's involved in discipling is uh, that we are to strengthen. Each other. We have to strengthen the believers. Believers uh, often need strengthening. Let's look at Acts chapter 14 and verse 22. And we find all of these examples here in the book of Acts because that's where we see the history of the early church. So Acts 14 and verse 22 says, Strengthening the souls of the disciples, Okay, let's go to 21. When they had preached the gospels to that city and made many disciples, Okay, they've made many disciples. they returned to Lystra. So they've made disciples here. They're going back to where they came from. Uh, they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Now here, what we can gather from these verses is that Paul had planted these churches, he had gone on to another city, he planted more churches there, and now the disciples in the other churches that he had been to previously were facing some persecution. And so he goes back there and it says he strengthens them and encourages them and says that tribulation is a part of life and this is what we have to go through and he strengthens them. right? In Acts chapter 15 and verse 32, Acts 15 and verse 32. Now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. Strengthened them with many words. Judas and Silas. Uh, Acts 15 and verse 41. Uh, and he went through Syria and Cilicia strengthening the churches. So when the strength churches needed strengthening, you know, uh, Paul, Timothy and Silas, they went and strengthened the churches. Again in Acts 16.5 and Acts 18. 23 we find him doing this in Galatia and in uh, all all manner of places going and strengthening. To to strengthen means to establish. You know the Greek word that's used there it means to establish, to make them firm to render firm, to firm up in their faith. Um, And strengthening also involves correction sometimes. It involves uh, accountability. It involves restoration. If we go to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 we see here uh, a very important uh, principle here galatians 6 1 it says brethren if a man is overtaken in any trespass you who are spiritual uh, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness considering yourself lest you also be tempted so even strengthening involves sometimes when a, when a believer has fallen you know lifting him up encouraging him bringing him back you know bringing him to repentance bringing him to restoration So we have to strengthen. We have to spend time. We have to teach. And thirdly, we have to strengthen. Fourth thing that we have to do is we have to encourage. You have to encourage your fellow believers. Let's look at uh, the example of Barnabas. Uh, What a wonderful example! Acts 11. You know what you find if you study Barnabas is that Barnabas, uh, you know, his he's known as the the word you know his name means the son of encouragement, right? but you don't see barnabas doing a lot of public ministry you don't see him uh, doing a lot of teaching you know but he was very good at finding out the need of the person you know finding out the need of the people and understanding the need and not only that knowing who else he could bring in there you know and uh, uh, let's just read this uh, acts 11:21 acts 11:21 uh, so here we see uh, the hand of the lord was with them and a great number believed and turned to the lord so this is in antioch okay so uh, you know so what it tells us there is that the people who were scattered after the uh, after stephen was stoned and the persecution that came around that time they spread they they scattered right they were dispersed and they went to cyprus and and they came to antioch and and, and then they preached the lord jesus there in antioch and so a church came together so the hand of the Lord was with them in Antioch and a great number believed and turned to the Lord so then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch so the church of Jerusalem hears oh you know what there are people in Antioch that are believers the gospel has gone out let's send Barnabas there to check on them to, to, to figure out what's going on and see how we can help them so verse 23 when he came and had seen the grace of God he was glad okay number one he was glad number two it says and he encouraged them all that with purpose of art they should continue with the lord so secondly he encouraged them the son of encouragement he encouraged them for he was verse 24 he was a good man full of the holy spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the lord so uh, you know barnabas was an encourager it resulted in what was the result of this because of his encouragement Okay? A great many people were added to the Lord. He encouraged them in their spiritual walk, encouraged them in their growth, encouraged them to grow spiritually. And, uh, and, 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 and so they continued to, to grow and people were added to the church. So, so Barnabas was an encourager. And then uh, Acts chapter 16, uh, Acts chapter 16 and verse uh, 40. Again we see Acts 16 and verse 40. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commanded by the, commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And they went through Syria and Cilicia, again, strengthening the churches. But again, we see here examples of, of encouragement. And Paul uh, did a lot of this, right? He went and encouraged uh, the, uh, the churches. Verse uh, Chapter 20, Acts 20 and verse 2. When they had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece. So again, Paul, his missionary journey, his pattern was he would go to a place, he would plant a church and then he would move on. Then he would plant a church there and then he would move on. And then on his way back, he would stop at all those churches and encourage them and strengthen them and teach them. Sometimes he, if he saw the need, he would stay there for a year or longer and then he would go back to his home church and give them a report and then he would set on another journey going the same path. Again, continuing to disciple, continuing to, to encourage. You know, Are we encouraging Sometimes you know we get we get too caught up in in worrying about you know have we checked this box or that box and when we see believers who have the gift and maybe they're doing something you know we need to we need to encourage them we need to encourage them in the ministry um, you know in in First Thessalonians three I won't turn there Paul sent Timothy uh, to encourage the uh, the Thessalonian believers in times of affliction. Okay, So we have to spend time, we have to teach, we have to strengthen and fourthly we had to encourage. Finally, the last point I'll make in terms of how we go about discipling is that we have to promote and find opportunities for believers to exercise their gifts. Promote and find opportunities for believers to exercise their gifts. Let's look at Acts chapter 9 again. Acts chapter 9 verse 26 this time. 26 to 28. We see here the story of uh, Paul and Barnabas, you know, just after Paul had been saved, right? So, you know, the, the history of Paul, he had been persecuting the church, he was going to Damascus with a letter from the, uh, the, the high priest, you know, to kill all the followers of Jesus, right? Followers of this man, Jesus. So, verse 26, Acts 9, when Saul had come to Jerusalem, so here's Saul, he's gone away, he's been away for some three years, the last thing these people know about him was that he had gone to Damascus to persecute the church, Okay, and here he comes back to Jerusalem. He tried to join the disciples. Okay, so here's Paul. He shows up, you know, just like somebody would show up at our doors on a Sunday morning. And he shows up and saying, hey, I'm Paul and here I am. You know, Paul who used to be called Saul. So naturally, what was the reaction? They were all afraid of him. And they did not believe that he was a disciple. They said, wait a minute, we got to be careful here. You know, we don't know what this guy is up to. The last thing we know, you know, he was headed to Damascus to kill uh, people like us. You know, why is he here? But what do we see here? Verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So here we see Barnabas was probably another one of them just like everybody else. But look at his reaction it was very different you now he uh, he doesn't tell us there but we can we can um, uh, figure out that he probably did took paul aside maybe took him to his home maybe asked him what had been going on what has happened since the time you left here went to damascus you know and and paul told him about everything and how uh, he had preached boldly in the name of jesus and so barnabas becomes the intermediary okay and then uh, you know he spoke boldly in the name of jesus uh, verse uh 28 he was with them at jerusalem coming in and going out so barnabas here recognizing that here was a disciple of christ who needed uh you know to have an intermediary to to get him into the life of the church you know he intervenes there the son of encouragement again and he promotes and then you go on to acts 11 you know it doesn't stop there acts eleven twenty-five. so we we read the early part of this where barnabas uh you know goes to antioch right the the leaders of the church in Jerusalem send uh, Barnabas to Antioch to check on them and he finds out that uh, you know, he had seen the grace of God and he encouraged them and, and uh, you know great many people were added to the Lord uh, in Antioch. And then uh, verse 25, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So here he is, he sees a need. He sees all these new believers coming in and he, he recognizes that there's a need here. These, these folks need to know the scriptures. They need to be taught. And he, he looks at himself and he says, you know what, I'm not the man to do this, but I see the need. The Lord has put this need on my heart. So what does he do? It says that he departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. You know, this is, not, this is back in the days when they didn't have WhatsApp. Hey, Brother Paul, come on over here. No, he had to go. He didn't even know where he was, so he went all over, trying to figure out. Maybe he went to one town. Hey, did you guys see Paul? Oh, yeah, he was here. He, you know, he left here and went there. He must have gone, you know, multiple places. Here, finally, he finds Paul. He's seeking Saul. He says, and he finds him, uh, you know, in Tarsus. And then, when he had found him, what does he do? He brings him back to Antioch, and a whole year they spend there. They assembled with the church and taught a great many people. You know, sometimes we don't want to disciple or we don't want to get involved with it because uh, we think, you know, we're not gifted in that. You know, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know uh, what to say. I don't know what to do. It's not my gift, you know, but is this something you can do to promote others, others who have worked in your life? Maybe you start off with, you spend time with somebody, you understand their need, and because you've been discipled by others, you can bring others into that mix and And introduce them to that person to help them through some struggle, to help them through their spiritual growth, to promote and find opportunities uh, for others to exercise their gifts. What are some of the hindrances to discipleship? For the one who needs to be discipling, you know, sometimes it's lack of time. And this is really a question of priority. You know, you'll never have a point in your life when you have enough time. Okay, the best years of your life will just go by. You have to make the time. Secondly, lack of confidence in your own knowledge. That's what I was just talking about. You know, uh, there's there's always bound to be somebody in the congregation who is not as mature as you. Okay? And secondly, how do you build uh, confidence? It is by being discipled by somebody else. Right? It is by spending time in the word. By being taught, then you can then transmit that somebody else so when you engage in discipling others it'll sometimes force you to study i know that's the way that i studied scripture was 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 because you know i just took these responsibilities on myself when i was quite young and it forced me to go and study the scripture and gather all the books that i could and and start reading that's how you build yourself up you know it's no excuse if you know to say that i'm not capable or i don't have the gift or that's for somebody else to do no this is something that god has called all of us to do and then for the one who needs discipling what are the the hindrances for the people who need to be discipled one is the lack of interest in spiritual things that you are too caught up that we are too caught up in worldliness we don't have a desire to go as it says in hebrews 5 verse 12 and 13 you know we don't have a desire to go beyond eating milk to eating solid food we are quite happy with the milk we're quite happy to show up here on a sunday and Check the box and make sure that if somebody asks me, you know, where do you go to church? I can say I go to CBF or, or whatever church. Right? That's not what this church is about. That's not what being a disciple is about. You are all, all of us are called to be disciples. You know, lack of interest in spiritual things is can be a hindrance. You know, you don't want to be held accountable Perhaps, but that is not what the Lord wants from you. The Lord wants you to be accountable to somebody. He wants you to be discipled. He wants you to get to the point where you are in turn discipling others. And you can just imagine when everybody in the church is being discipled and is also discipling, that's how the church experiences growth. Every part of the body, every joint supplying what it has and every part doing its share so the body is built up together together to the glory of God. Let me ask you this in in conclusion. Are you one who has been blessed with an understanding of scripture and in the application of scripture? Are you one who has had these experiences in life where you had to struggle and learn and experience the goodness of God? If so, what are you doing to make disciples in this very congregation of believers? Are you taking the time to seek out those who need to be taught what you have already learned? And if you are sisters, the older, more mature among us, are you taking the time to talk, to take these younger sisters under your wing and teaching them according to the instruction in Titus 2, teaching them about life, teaching them about making uh, spiritual decisions? Look around. There are many here that need to be discipled and many who need to grow spiritually. We need to have that burden upon us to to see spiritual growth in our fellow believers and, and, and to nurture them and to, to disciple them to, to that spiritual maturity. Are you willing to invest your time and your life to help a fellow believer or fellow believers grow and fulfill the Great Commission? That is what the Great Commission is. Make disciples of all men, teaching them to observe. And if you're not, then ask yourself, why not? Are you spiritually stagnant? Are you a person who's not growing? You know, Go back to the question I asked early on that you haven't seen yourself grow in a year or in years. If so, why are you not being a disciple? Look around you and find someone whose life represents perhaps what you aspire to be, what you would like to be. Seek them out. Ask them to disciple you. you know, this is what the Lord desires of us, that we should grow spiritually. You know, If you are satisfied with your life where you just show up you know, once a week and, and uh, you know, very often we don't want we don't want anything more. And then I would really question the sincerity uh, of your situation. You know, are you really sincerely desiring to follow the Lord? You know, we don't want to be, if, if people start, start getting too close to us, you know, we want to push them off. Because, you know, all you want is to just have a place to go where you can claim that you are part of a church. And that's all. You don't want anybody involved in your life. You don't want anybody asking you questions. You don't want anybody asking you why you didn't come to the meeting or why you're not attending the cell group or, or you know, are you reading your Bible. You know, Embarrassing questions. But we have to open ourselves up. Okay? Uh, you know, being a believer is not like being employed by some company. It's not like belonging to a club. Okay? It's not like a, a social thing that you do. It is your life. You know, we're all going to spend eternity together. Uh, we're, our purpose in on this earth is to glorify god not to glorify man it's not to be comfortable it's to challenge ourselves towards maturity and become more christ-like in our life and if you just sit back and don't want anybody to be involved in your life if you just want to be a sunday christian as they call it you know then um, you know uh, that, that's a new terminology you know i inquired about somebody uh, at another church and the elder there wrote me back yeah he's just a sunday christian Okay, so I don't know how many of you are Sunday Christians here. Okay, but it's not just about being a Sunday Christian or a Sunday and a Monday and a Tuesday Christian, it's about your desire to grow and what are you doing? Okay, what are you doing to confront sin in your life? What are you doing to open up and let other people shine a light into your life from the Word of God so that you can confront the sin in your life and you can deal with it? That's what the Christian life is about. It's not uh, you know, what God desires is that each of us would help each other, work with each other, disciple each other to grow spiritually. And I trust that, that Lord would use these words to help us to examine ourselves and also uh, seek out how we can be more effective as individuals within the church. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, and we want to just give you all the glory. We want to thank you, Father, that you have created this organism, Lord, this organism, the church, Not an organization, but an organism, Lord. A body of believers made up of sinners saved by the grace of God. Lord, we are all weak and we are all um, full of um, flaws, Father. And yet you put us all together and you've put us together for a purpose, Lord, to glorify you and we glorify you, Father, when our character becomes more and more like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, And as you've shown us in your word, Father, we do that. That happens, Father, by us, Uh, taking an interest in each other's life and discipling each other. And I just want to pray, Lord, for every person here that you would help them to truly examine themselves, help them to seek out others who can help them to grow spiritually, that you'll give a heart to every person here to find somebody, Lord, uh, here that they can really pour their life into you. They can invest their time and their treasures and their gifts, Lord, and to help them to grow spiritually. That we would, uh, we would take pleasure in doing this, Lord. That we would, we would have a joy in doing this. It would not just be another thing, Lord, but it would be a priority in our lives, Father. We just want to th- I just want to thank you for everyone here. I pray, o Lord, for your blessing, your care, and your protection, Father. We give you uh, all praise and all glory in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, before uh, we do the announcements...